Hi, I'm Diana Gaeta. I am the author of Neverland the Impossible Island for 5e, and you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about how to get your group to try a new RPG. In the news, attendance figures from UK Games Expo and Origins Game Fair, Critical Role launches a record label, free RPG day offerings, and more, plus a brand new sketch about an adventuring tavern hosting a pair of tourists. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. The Imperial Opera House is this week's sponsor. Get yourself down there and listen to people warble and screech their way through obscure foreign languages, achieving notes never intended for human consumption. You are guaranteed not to understand a thing, but they do sell nice ice creams at the interval. Wait, what? They don't sell ice creams? What sort of outfit are they running there? All the tabletop role-playing news we aim to amuse, we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Morris's unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris aka Russ Today is my birthday, actually tomorrow is my birthday But by the time you hear this, today will be my birthday And with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is a complete delight to be here. And I have the absolute delight, the pleasure to announce that she with the scarlet tresses, the Auburn goddess herself, it is the one, it's the only, it's... <laughs> it's me, Jessica, from EN Publishing. Wow. Every week I think, can it get any worse? And it does. <laughs> well, in fairness, Peter did notice like, I have washed my hair today, so it's, it's yes. uh, an occasion that's worth, you know... <laughs> Worth comment. But it is uh, Ari's people. And, and didn't and didn't say you came from the Crab Nebula this week. So. Yeah, I know. Well, they've learned. They've learned. <laughs> Let's do some RPG news. Because that is what we're here for. Yes. Shall we, before we move on to the news, shall we do a, a hashtag oh. awfully cheerful question? Oh, shall we? Yes, let's. Let's do that then. Okay then, because I do have mm-hmm. an awfully cheerful question. And our awfully cheerful question this week is from... Travis from Great Barrington in Massachusetts. That's a great name. I love it. It's a Great Barrington. Yeah. That's... I like that. Hmm. It's near, it's near average Barrington. Great oh. Barrington. Travis from Great Barrington would like to know this. For the 2024 5.5e core rule books for D&D, obviously. Yes. Would EN World Publishing be open to Wizards of the Coast adopting features from level up? Yes. Well, well <laughs> I, I, I don't work for him publishing or I'm involved in a capacity. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe it's a freelancer occasionally. But so, like, yeah. you know, we, we should make it really clear in our answer to this question that yes. we use the open game license to yes. produce level up, mm-hmm. yes. which means that we have definitely adopted features for Wizards of the Coast work on yeah. Macs. I mean, it is yeah. their game system. They designed it. Yeah. We've tweaked it, we've enhanced it, we've changed it, but the core of the game system is theirs. I think yeah. it would be quite churlish, not that, not that we legally could say no because we use the open game license, yeah. but even if we could, it would be quite churlish for us to say yeah. no to someone else using what we've made when oh, it's yeah. based off what they made. That, that would seem bad manners to me, I think, oh, at, at the most. And, and legally unsound, but bad yeah. manners. Yeah. 
I mean, and also it depends. Like, if you want to go with the Wizards of the Coast knockoff as opposed to the OGM publishing stuff, yeah, sure, go nuts. <laughs> but I think we're quite open to other publishers using this system anyway, because, I mean, uh, Peter, I for publishers. example. <laughs> you, you already do. You already do, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I very much enjoy it. It's, a, it's an app, you know what? It's an absolute pleasure to develop for because mm. it's really easy. It's like just, it just works and there's lots of design space. And yeah, I mean, the, problem with basic 5e was that there just wasn't enough development of it it doesn't have a lot of things that you put in so mm. like there, there, there's a lot of space to exist as a developer filling in little gaps or just expanding it so yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's designed with open design space in mind mm. for people to use so yeah. um travis from great barrington not lesser barrington we are yeah. going to send you a copy of awfully cheerful engine number one nice through the post through the mail so mm-hmm. please, please let us know your shipping address and we'll get that straight out to you. If you want to send us an awfully cheerful question, Jess, how would, how would one do such a thing? Well, there are many ways this could be done. So if you would like to also get a free copy of the Awfully Cheerful Engine and have your question read out on the podcast, uh, you need to first of all think of a question. And then ask us via social media, which would be good to tag us and use the hashtag awfully cheerful question. And that can be a question about anything to do with tabletop RPGs. It doesn't have to be EM publishing specific. So just any tabletop RPG question. Or if you don't want to, if you're not on social media because you're too cool for that, you can send us an email instead to morris.podcast.gmail.com. Yeah. M-O-R-R-U-S. There you go. And also be in the show notes. So you can email us or on social media, tag us on there. And also we're on TikTok as well. So you could. Yeah, you could stitch one of our videos with your question. That would be cool. That hasn't mm. happened yet, but I'm excited for the day it does. Okay, so I wanted to talk about attendance figures at conventions. That's exciting. Such things, such things excite me. And we haven't been able to do this properly for about two years because there was a whole covid plague thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And it's only this year, really, that like, things are starting to veer slightly towards normal again. So... Yeah. We've had UK Games Expo and we've had Origins Game Fair this year. Mm-hmm. Um, as usual, they're both in the summer. Traditionally, they both pretty much get the same attendance figures. They're about the same size as each other. What happens is um, every year they leapfrog each other for the position of the third largest tabletop RPG convention each year. So they just keep swapping places because they're so, they're, so, they're so similar in size. The top ones, of course, being Gen Con and Essen in terms of attendance figures. So, we've got the reports in for this year, mm-hmm. and and I suspect this is due to COVID and mask mandates and things like that. Uh, so, UK's Expo has reported 23,163 attendees this year, mm-hmm. which is down slightly from what they, before the pandemic, they were getting about 25, 26. So, it's down slightly, but not much. Not yeah. much. It's almost back to normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Origins Game Fair reported 11,689, so half that number. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Origins used to report in the 20s also. So Origins has had quite a significant drop, about 50% drop. UK Games Expo has not. And the only difference I can think of between those is got to be COVID-related stuff and how people in each country are treating COVID. Yeah. Uh, how people in the US, I think, are probably being more cautious, at least when it comes to, like, Origins Game Fair had mask mandates and stuff, whereas UK Games Expo did not. Maybe that is the factor as well. Maybe people don't want to go to an event if there is a mask mandate and requirements like that. Uh, Yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. I mean, mm. there could be a million different factors. I don't know. But, yeah. but I mean, Origins did kind of like, they took away all the mandates. There was a backlash and they put them back again. So yeah. there was a bit of confusion around what was going on. And I wonder if that affected anything. I, I think that's what it is, really. Because I know that I know some people that would usually go to UK Games Expo that didn't go this year because they, uh, for health reasons, they still don't feel safe to go out and about and do things like that. And because there wasn't any kind of covid mask mandates or mm. vaccination requirements they were like ah i don't know if it's safe for me to go and be in a room mm. with twenty thousand other people yeah breathing yeah so it'd be interesting to see what happens at gen con this year because they are having masks and vaccination proof required so they're mm. going the full the full mm. log on that yeah i don't know what essence do you know what essence doing jess i have no idea what i essence don't doing. that's due to happen in october so i think mm. they have something oh. up but they're saying we're going to wait and see what happens because Mm. I think coming into the autumn, things are different anyway. So I think everybody's a bit like we've just booked for dragon meat in December. Mm. Um, and that's in London and, uh, we've booked that, but part of my brain is like, maybe it will be canceled because Mm. it's in the winter and everyone gets more seasonal colds and things like that in the winter anyway. So, but you know. I mean, like, Gen Con and Essen is so much bigger, though, because, like, in terms of oh, turnstile, yeah. like, Gen- so Gen Con's the biggest in terms of turnstile, 223,000 to Essen's 174,000. But mm-hmm. in terms of exhibitors, it's the other way around. Essen has 900 plus exhibitors. Last, last time it was reported, Gen Con mm-hmm. had 520. So Essen has more exhibitors. Gen Con has a higher turnstile. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them later, later this year. Mm-hmm. Both of them dwarf UK Games Expo. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. Right, what else is there in the news? There's probably other stuff, isn't there? There is. There, you think? There is uh, the Marvel multiverse role-playing game. Um, oh, so, the game is coming out in 2023. But as we talked it about is. before, in April they released a playtest version of the Marvel multiverse. So people and mine arrived late May. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have any strong Sorry. feelings about that. It's good to know. Um, but yeah, anyway, they've released the... They will then have a preview of the stat block uh, for Sabretooth, mm. uh, which is like the villain slash anti-hero kind of character, which I don't know that much about. Uh, I don't know much about Sabretooth. Um, Sabretooth is basically Wolverine, Wolverine but... But it's, it's, he's Wolverine's like rival, as far as I'm yeah. aware. Um, but yeah, they, so often, they often do that in comics, don't they? That the, the person's rival is always like got the same power set or a very similar power set. Yeah. Which, I don't know. Well, okay, whatever. You don't, you don't, you don't like that storytelling trope? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway. So I, I think, isn't it, isn't it showing like two sides of the same coin? Like we're so similar, but we've made different choices. So one of us is a hero and one's a villain. Oh, is it? Is it trying to do that sort maybe, of commentary? Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, so the Sabretooth stat block is up there. So mm. he is rank 15. Mm. So apparently more powerful than Wolverine. I have read on the internet. On the picture, he looks super hench, in fairness. So no, most, mm-hmm. most superheroes do, though, don't they? Well, yeah. No, but even by those high even, standards. Even by superhero standards, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But no, he's, uh, he's more powerful than Wolverine in this particular example. Is this, is this like a... This isn't even a playtest. Is it a playtest example, or is it a no, final thing? No, it's just thing, a, a stat block preview. Right, okay. But okay. Is, it, is it going to change... I mean, sure. I is maybe I assume because, because not the, because but... the playtest rulebook stat blocks, which has Spider Man and Wolverine and all that stuff in it. 
Well, that's a, oh, change. there is a quote about that. They have yeah. said, uh, yes, this profile is more powerful than Wolverine's. We're looking to see what rank both of them should be placed at. So maybe it will change, actually. Mm, okay. So it is a playtest thing, then? It doesn't... Oh. It, kind it, of isn't the present, it isn't presented as thus. No. But, like... But like, I guess until just, the game comes out, it's all playtest material, Russ. This is literally yeah. how it works. You know? I think it's just a preview, <laughs> but in fairness, because it's not out yet and they're still yeah. testing stuff, things could change. Mm. Okay. Fair much, enough. much in the same way that when we show stuff for the Dungeon Delvers Guide, obviously it's still being worked mm. on. Mm. So. Same. So, would anyone like to buy an album from Critical Role? No, but I will stream it on Spotify. Like. <laughs> A music album or a photo album? Yeah, they have. Um, yes, a photo album. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, uh, music. They've uh, launched a new recording label called mm. Scanlan Shortholt Music, and it's they've released an album on that recording label, which is called Welcome to Taldore. It's a uh, background music type stuff. It's um, it's a score sort of thing rather than a. A, a singing album. Yeah, it's, it's like, got 17 orchestral tracks inspired by Critical Role and the world of Taldore. Yeah, so it's like background music for your D&D mm. games mm. Or, role play, or role-playing games in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and they, they've got them on streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music and yeah. Amazon Music, all those, all those various many streaming things. I think but there's a yeah. lot of resources. If you want new background music for your game, there's a lot of resources out there to do that now. Yeah. Um, not just sort of like albums you can buy, but there's, um, you know, Sirenscape. They do officially licensed music for like Pathfinder and things like that. Oh, okay. Uh, or, uh, and for other companies as well. And you can just go onto their website and listen to it. And there's another one which has, um, I can't remember what it's called, but basically it has, it's like, a, you know, soundboards. Yeah. But it's, it's got a soundboard where you just select your options. So you could go sort of gloomy sci-fi and it would play something or, or, um, yeah, I've seen those, Mary, actually. Mary yeah. fantasy or, or whatever. And you can, you can play different mood musics, which table. is kind of cool. And that's, that's free, I think. I'm not sure. I'm you not can sure. get some free ones and you can get some paid ones. I think my mm. GM, my GM's got one of those. I'm not sure which one. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not allowed to see behind the GM screen, obviously. Yeah, I, I like I like to have a full orchestra and choir during my games, uh, like standing behind me when I when I GM. The whole works. Well, we'll have to believe you on that, Russ, because we're going to see GM. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear he's going to be running the Dallas RPG at some point. I'm looking soon. forward to that myself. Mm. Um, um, but mm. speaking of games, they have said um, the streamers are allowed to use the music to add atmosphere to their actual plays of tabletop games. They're just Ooh. asking that they include a link to stream or purchase the album, and you can use it at no cost in your actual play stream. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yes. So that is nice. So, um, Midnight, Legacy of Darkness, you know, that sort Ooh. of Tolkien-esque thing where if Sauron yes. had won yeah. kind of thing. So they have released some previews about that. And um, one of the, one of the previews is this kind of like, uh, it's like a notice which would be stuck to a, a, like a pub door or something. And it's the laws of the shadow. And it's the acts which are punishable by death, the acts that are punishable by enslavement, and the acts that are punishable by the lash. And um, basically all of these acts are basically anything you would do in a D&D game. <laughs> 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 like for de- death we've got being of elven or dwarven birth damn that's, that's harsh like, you can't really control that that's not really a choice you make I, I don't think the shadow is about being fair God, what 
<laughs> I mean, we just shocked. I, I, I don't think Sauron was known for for his, you know, sense of fair play. Oh, gosh. Um, so we've got collaboration with the Fae, excluding gnomes. You are allowed to uh, collaborate with gnomes, just not other Fae, apparently. Um, okay. Aiding fugitives from the shadow, assaulting a legate or senior agent of Isidore, <laughs> possession of an enchanted item, or casting of spells or other uses of magic. So I'm just laughing because I thought excluding gnomes was a feature in itself. So it's like, if you don't let the gnomes divide into your parties, it's punishable by death. And I was like, I don't understand why they included that. I thought it's, sorry, it took me like a few minutes to catch up. Other crimes include teaching others to read, possession of non-magical books or scrolls, possession of martial weapons or armour, Mm. So basically, if you do anything that you would do in a D&D game, you're in trouble, basically. Okay. <sighs> Don't leave out the gnomes either. Well, yeah, do not exclude them. those gnomes. Sorry, that's, that's, that's made me laugh. This is my clowns, this is my clowns moment. Oh. Uh, so, 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 so basically, there's a little, little, little picture of um, like wanted gnome mm. excluders. Mm. Have you invited oh, gnomes. gnomes to your birthday party, Matt or us? I feel, I feel sorry for the gnomes well, now. Well, well, you're going, are you, Jess? I sound more of a hobbit. I, I think Because I don't have any magical tendencies. <laughs> do you have very hairy feet? I do, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do. Well, this conversation's going weird. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm Welsh heritage, it's, it's to be expected. I can, Or maybe a dwarf, because I'm sure I could grow a fine beard if I tried as well. How do you try to grow a beard? I guess. Is it just think really hard about it? I mean, I've got one, and I've got to tell you, I didn't have to try. It just happens by itself. All right, stop bragging. <laughs> all right, sorry. Well, I didn't I, even I, have I, to try <laughs> to grow my beard. I feel like you're fine beards. What's all this? Anyway. And then commenting on each other's physical appearances. Let's move on. Midnight Legacy of Darkness. Yeah. It's out now. I yeah. really like the idea of that setting. Like, yeah. the Sauron run, living in a world where... I don't know whether that kind of level of grimdark wouldn't get a bit too oppressive after a few sessions, though. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe for one shot. For it. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're doing that every single session, it might start to get a bit... You, you need to leaven it with humour. Mm. Change of pace and tone is very important. Mm. I imagine you could give it a bit of a... Obviously, it's not like sci-fi, but a Star Wars vibe in terms of we're the plucky rebels and we're going to fight this oppression. And that could I suppose that is pretty much exactly what Star Wars is, isn't it? I yeah, mean, the it Empire. is. There's this mm. massive oppressive force and we're yeah. fighting against it. Anyway, we don't have any particular Star Wars news for the tabletop RPGs this week, I don't believe. Oh, okay. Sadly. But, but we do we- have some news about Roman Empire Copal's Cthulhu from Modiphius. Yes, we do. Oh, tell them all. There's a playtest opening for it. Modiphius is looking for playtesters. It's like Lovecraftian horror in the Roman Empire. That does sound kind of amazing. Yeah, it uses the 2D20 system, 2nd century um, AD. Um, mm-hmm. Generally um, in the sort of uh, Gaulit and Germanic territories and the uh, campaigns in that sort of area. So rather than Rome itself, as far as I can make out. And, um, yeah, so you can, you can apply to join the playtest. It's not an open playtest. You can apply to join the playtest. They usually, these things usually have an NDA, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you can, you can sign up until Monday, I think. So really, really soon. You've got until right. Monday. 
June the 22nd. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, mm. then you missed the bugger. Then you've missed out, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, the yeah. image for it looks quite creepy, though, as you would expect. There's all, like, purple mist and a load of, like, Ooh. Roman legions being attacked by giant tentacle worm things. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it lo- yeah, it looks what you would expect from a bit mm-hmm. of Lovecraftian horror. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, right, what other news have we got? It's quite, quite a... Quite a quiet week, actually. Um, yeah. Oh, Radiant Citadel. Oh, ah, well, I yes. don't know about that. Tell me about that. Yes. Sue, if you've got a D&D Beyond account... I do. You can, for free, download the first chapter of the Radiant Citadel. Oh, I'll do that now. Um, so it contains info. It's, it's not a sort of mechanics-heavy chapter. It's just kind of background material and stuff. But it's got um, information on noteworthy sites... Information on life in the Citadel, details about some of the Citadel's groups and its defences, things like that. So it's kind of a big introduction to the Radiant Citadel itself. And it's got a semi-ethereal crystal tiger on the front cover. Oh, yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. does look kind of cool, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so you've done that, yeah, download that for free if you've got a D&D Beyond account. So in tabletop news, it's kind of more board gamey, but it's a big thing. It's the Spieler de Yar Awards. So at Essen, mm. which takes Telling place- of the year. Game of the Year. Germanic. Uh, But yeah, so they have announced their nominees for the 2022 awards. Yeah, they listed a whole load of really good games like Cryptid, Dune Imperium, Living Forest, Cascadia, Top Ten. Are there any RPGs? They've got an RPG character. Well, these are are board games. So... That's the news I have for those nominations. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything specifically. Until I think Spiel of the Year do I'm are sure, looking yeah, there to is, a tabletop is definitely category, but that's RPG not been bit. announced this week. Okay. Want I don't to follow. Yeah, so they will kind of... but mm. So they came out this week, so that's interesting. Um, and I think they say... When do they say the nominees? Well, the awards for that. Okay, here we go. Uh, the winners will be announced on July the 16th. Oh, wow, that's quite soon. There we go. It's announced. Okay, so free <laughs> RPG day to yes. ce- to celebrate my birthday. Uh, free RPG yes. day is taking place all across North America. Yes, oh, that's nice. Yeah, Saturday, June the twenty fifth. Um, mm-hmm. So game stores across America, you can get free RPG products. Basically, you go into a game. It's similar to free comic book day. You go into um, a game store, you get a free thing. It, it might be a one shot, some miniatures. It might be a quick set. It could be anything. So we've got a list of some of the things on offer. Mm-hmm. Not all of the things, but some of the things on offer. So we could just very, very quickly whip through that list. Yeah. Without without getting to reading up is... lists on a on, on, on a podcast because that gets boring. But we yeah. could try and try and do it. As a note, June twenty fifth mm. is in North America mm. the RPG Day. Just yes. everywhere so like UK else listeners, it's, it's yeah, like every, in July. July the twenty third, yeah. everywhere else, yeah. See? Mm. Yeah. But there is there is stuff and or things. Mm, what we got? Cyberpunk Red Easy Mode. It's a sample of the latest edition of the Cyberpunk tabletop role-playing game. So okay. you get an adventure uh, with five pre-generated characters. Oh, it looks quite cool. Ooh. I guess yeah. so. this is like a little... They're all like little kind of teaser samples. That's so pretty much how it generally works. Yeah. If, if you want to try yeah. out a system but you're not sure you want to yeah. commit to buying it, this yeah. is the Yeah, you get a lot go. of quick starts, yeah. Um, so we've got, um, from ninth level games... We've got an indie RPG anthology. Um, it's an anthology of unique RPGs, um, which experience, which lets you experience new concepts, mechanics, and new creators. This is the third volume in a free series. So you can pick that up. 
Nice. Uh, Darrington Press from Critical Role. One-page mm-hmm. RPG. You can pick up a one-page RPG called A Familiar Problem. Um, designed by Grant Howitt and Marisha Ray. You play as familiars left behind when their spellcasters went on an adventure without them. Oh. oh. My dog's just like, my dog's just like poking his ears up and goes, yeah, I know, I know what that's like. <laughs> oh, I suppose I've got a bit of news about that sort of thing. Mm. Not, not for the US announcement because I haven't got my act together, still tidying up the last Kickstarter, but I'll be putting out an adventure for the, um, UK free RPG day. Mm, that's good. Mm. Yeah. Ready for um, July, July the 23rd. Yeah, yeah, Dragons versus Biplanes. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Oh, is that the bit with the awesome bit of art? With a dragon yeah, and a right. biplane, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's more than one biplane. You need a lot of biplanes to fight a dragon. That's that's the thing, anyway. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but also, we have got, we have got for Magpie Games, Talon Hill Quick Starter. This is a Powered by the Apocalypse Ooh. RPG. Mm. As vagabonds, you've arrived at Talon Hill, where your actions were the consequences of the entire woodland. This is for the Root RPG. Ah, yes, yes. Hmm. Uh, we've got a Homeworld Revelations Quick Start. Homeworld oh, being the... Based so- off the computer game. Yes, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's from Modiphius. Mm-hmm. We've got from Paizo, we've got two adventures, one for second edition, and uh, Paizo, uh, Pathfinder second edition, one for Starfinder. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, nice, nice. The uh, Pathfinder one's called A Fistful of Flowers, <laughs> and okay. the Starfinder one is called Skitterwarp. That is a good name. Hmm. But, wait, Skitterwarp? Skitterwarp. So there won't be rats in space. I'm hoping for rats in space. I, but I that's just know. my Skaven player in me coming to the fore. It's not a thing. Renegade no. um, Game Studios. So you can pick up these folders that are designed for school kids, which in, mm-hmm. which have like quick quick rules, interior artwork, covers, and a QR code, um, which Ooh. contains info on the Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Hunter the Reckoning games. All powered by their Essence 20 RPGs. One of those things is not like the other. Yeah, Hunter the Reckoning, (laughs) like the cover has a person like smoking a cigarette on it and stuff. Like, I don't know if that would be like school kid. Well, 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 also it's supposed, it's part of like the vampire world family sort of thing. So you are hunting vampires and monsters and it's supposed to be quite clearly. I would have expected it to be quite adult and grim. Well, probably, so... probably that one isn't aimed at the school kids, I would guess. Okay. I <laughs> hope so. But the other three probably one are. Of the four. Yeah, like G.I. Oh, Joe, yeah. Transformers, yeah, sure. and Power Rangers. I'm like, yeah, great. But mm, like that, yeah. yeah, that one, there's a gritty looking person in a leather jacket smoking well, a cigarette. Let's go kill some monsters. Yeah. Like, I, mm, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. So from Is it important l- to get them started young? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't have kids, so I don't know if that is appropriate <laughs> or not, but part... Part of my common sense says no. I don't give, know. Give, give, giving your kids cigarettes, um, generally yeah. viewed as inappropriate, I think. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. I mean, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to. You're not up, you're not up on the latest and... science and research, but yeah. um, <laughs> that seems to, to be the prevailing opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't want to speak for parents not being one myself, but <laughs> that was my general thought. On yeah, the yeah, good though, good though. <laughs> so, <laughs> Loki battle mats. You can get yes. a D&D 5th edition adventure with maps, tokens, and more called Curse of the Dread Marsh Crew. Oh, nice. Yeah. Big dragon on it. Yeah. It's always good. Uh, Privateer Press, a D&D 5th edition adventure for their Iron Kingdom setting called A Strange Light Breaks. There's just tons mm-hmm. of this stuff. Um, yeah, nice. there's, there's only a couple more, so uh, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Uh, Goodman Games. 
a D&D 5th edition adventure and a dungeon called Classics. Classics? 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 What? What? What was dungeon I saying? Crawl, d- dungeon Crawl Quackets, which <laughs> is where saying, you play Dungeon Crawl Classics, but as you're all playing as ducks. Yeah. Dungeon Crawl Classics. Are you sure it's not Quackets? <laughs> I, I, I think it should be Quassics, but um, it's not, it's Classics. But anyway, uh, yeah, from Goodman Games, uh, SFG, a D&D 5th, a lot of these are D&D, D&D 5th edition adventure, Epic Encounters, Chasm of the Durgar, 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 Cult. Oh, is that from Steamforge Games? Yes. Yeah, yeah, cool. And then finally, we've got Oni Press brings the best of their rolled and told vaults. This is a mix of RPG, comics, and magazines. Mm, I don't know. Good. I don't really know an awful lot about that, but it's magazine style RPG content. I do have a couple of Oni Press kicking around. I think they did Barry Ween's Boy Genius. I don't know. But. I don't have my references to hand, so I don't know. Anyway, moving on. That's it. That's the list. I mean, there there is probably other stuff, but that's what's on that list. So that's that's coming this this weekend, Saturday, 25th of June. So the day, the very day that this podcast goes out. So, you know, by the time you hear it, you may have missed it. Oh, well. (laughs) That's not not your issue. Okay. (laughs) But if you're in the UK, it's next month on July 23rd. So you can catch it here. Yeah. Anyway, 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 I think we finished the news. Unless you can think, oh, Good there was all. Xbox a spot. So our Kickstarter launched this week. It's a two-week oh. Kickstarter. This is piratical resources for your 5e game. Yeah, and Kickstarter Yarr. has picked it as a campaign they love. Mm. They oh, love it. They love it. So I'm sure mm. you will too. But no, out of was- all of the 31 campaigns, Kickstarter campaigns that we have run, this is the one that they love. People love. I'd have thought they'd go for the pets. You thought, but, but no. They yeah. like the pirates. They like the pirates. Like the pirates. Well, there we go. Mm. X marks the spot is out on mm. Kickstarter now. So you can grab that. And also, our Indiegogo campaign ended <sighs> today. Uh, oh. And so we've sent out all the rewards to people that backed us on there. So if uh, you want to support crowdfunding in indie publishers, but don't want to use Kickstarter for the various reasons we've discussed before, uh, we are also doing our crowdfunding things on Indiegogo as well now. So you have oh, other options. Very nice. Yeah, so we'll have another Indiegogo one launching when this Kickstarter ends. So that'll be, yeah, so that'll be next month. Yeah. So we're running yes. them, so there'll be a crowdfunding campaign every month on each platform, mm-hmm. but they're kind of alternating mm-hmm. just because running a crowdfunding oh. campaign takes some time. And so doing them one at a time is a good idea. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Can't argue with that. And we didn't mention A5E news, like Peter Martins brought out a thematic toolkit, Venomous Shadows, mm. which is actually one of the most exciting bits of things I've read in ages. It has got it's, a new combat tradition, which is the thing I like most about it. That is amazing. I'm really stoked about that. Using poisons has part of actual, like, the combat maneuvers. It's also got a range archetype and a rogue archetype. I'm like, oh, I really like range and rogues. This is so cool. Talking of combat. It's got some sort of synergy class, yeah. which he loves. And that's fine. So talking uh, talking of combat maneuvers, yeah. any time now our cards, our combat maneuver cards, will be going on pre-order. We're literally just waiting for notification of the shipping. So Because we don't want to launch the pre-orders till we've got the dates. Yeah, I got an email today about the shipping. Oh. That it's going to be, uh, so we can set the date for the end of August for shipping for pre-orders. Ooh. And so I might have turned the product on, on the website just before we started you. recording the <laughs> <laughs> And I was going to tell you. So actually, you can now uh, pre-order the Level so Up Advanced Physician Combat Maneuvers. And I can make that big announcement 
live, which is on the Kickstarter page. Which yes, is, so you yeah. can. So I was going to tell you that. Then. Mm, yeah. Um, okay, but cool. yeah, so the link it's up there. So um, you've got two options. You've got you can pre-order for North America for, to come from that warehouse, or you've got the one for our UK. And oh Europe. yeah, look there they are. Look. Yeah, so they're there. Yeah. Now we have oh. finished the news. Yes. Hello. Welcome, friends, to the Pigeon and Stool, the finest inn and this side of the Gnarly Woods. Pigeon Stool? What sort of name is that for a tavern? No, no, it's called the Pigeon and Stool. Entirely different. <laughs> yes, that would be something different. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's good on the menu, Inkeep? Well, it's all good, sir. We only serve the finest here at the Pigeon and Stool. Do you have any Shadow Elf Cognac? I tried that once down in the Underland. Didn't that get you turned into a spider? I got better. Oh, well, sadly, my friends, the Shadow Elf Cognac has been outlawed uh, by the Duchess, but we do have a delightful selection of elven wines. Oh, I'll have the Six Age Dolcetto, if you please. I'll make that too. Okay, two glasses of Six AD coming right up. Oh, I do like these little rustic country inns. Me too. A quiet ambience. Pet friendly. I'll oh, see that chap over there with his bear owl. Oh, delightful. Okay, here you go, my friends. Do enjoy. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Inky. Tell me, do you have a room for the night? Oh, well, uh, yes, uh, of course I do. But but thank you for asking. No, no. We mean, do you have a room to let? We need to stay the night before we venture into the gnarly woods. The, the gnarly woods? Why in the 14 kingdoms would you want to go there? Why? What's wrong with them? Well, they're... Gnarly. I should hope so. We've travelled over 40 leagues to see them. <laughs> so what, may I ask, is so gnarly about them? Uh, well, there's the ghosts uh, and the ghouls. <laughs> How quaint. Uh, the carnivorous plants, uh, the deadly fire badgers. <laughs> lovely, lovely. We just can't wait to see them. Bearded devils, the infernal bunyips. This is going to be a trip to remember. Oh, no, no, my, my friends, I, I don't think you quite appreciate just how gnarly it is out there. Oh, but we'd like it gnarly. I, I don't think you'll like it quite this gnarly, mate. Oh, I assure you, the more gnarly, the better. Uh, no, no, there's, there's dire camels, cave trolls, and the animated swords. Oh, my goodness, this sounds quite delightful. Our friends back home will be so jealous. Indeed, it just sounds so... So, so whimsical. I was going to say picturesque. Whimsical? Picturesque? Are, are you listening to what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But bunyips, ghouls, trolls, yada, yada. Oh, I say. Do they have any giant spiders or hellhounds? Why in the 13 duchies would you want to meet giant spiders and hellhounds? Oh, we do want to make the most of our trip. The gnarly woods are no pleasure cruise. They're the single most deadly stretch of land in the northern counties. One does not simply visit them to, to sightsee. Oh, no, no. You, you misunderstand. We're, we're not just here to sightsee. Oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> we also plan to write a poem about it. A poem? Yes. Why? Uh, th this is no place for poets. Are you be lucky to get out alive? If the Jabberwocks don't get you, the zombie mammoth certainly will. Oh, Jabberwocks! What a treat! Oh, I, I give up. On your head, be it. But don't come complaining to me if you're eaten alive by a coven of night hags. Oh, how wonderful that would be. Oh, yes, the Joneses would be 
quite envious if we were to be eaten alive by a couple of night hags. Very well then. Uh, so in addition to the two drinks, that'll be one booking of eaten alive by night hags. Oh, two. Two bookings. Should I charge that to your room? Oh, yes, thank you. Now, before we retire, I should like to give that fluffy-looking bear owl a little cuddle. Just the one booking, then. Okay, so this week we are going to talk about getting people to try other RPGs. By getting them to try other RPGs, I don't mean like against their will, forcibly. That would be bad. Don't do that. And much easier. But but perhaps maybe phrasing it as creating an environment where people might want to try other RPGs other than D&D. I mean, have, have either of you two had any experiences where you've wanted to try a game and people were just like, no, I just want to play D&D or, you know, I don't want to learn a new rule set or, or any of those sort of situations? I, not in my personal gaming group, because we play a lot of different systems and I actually mm-hmm. didn't play Dungeons and Dragons until about five years into me role-playing. It, mm-hmm. It's just not yeah. a system I approach which I think is a bit different. Mm. But I see it a lot online. There's um, like a hashtag uh, on TikTok, which is beggar talk. And that means like people that are saying, I'm begging you to try another tabletop RPG. Right, okay. And you uh, you see it a lot online where there are people going, oh, hi, I'm playing my... They're, they're asking like in a forum online somewhere on social media or on Reddit or somewhere, going, hi, I want to try and hack my D&D system to play like, I don't know, a sci-fi setting or a this or a that has anyone Mm. done this and so then Mm. loads of people come in and go oh actually why don't you use this system it sounds like it's better for your needs and then sometimes people get angry at them for suggesting another system they're like i don't want to learn another system and blah blah Mm. and um i suggested to someone online that they try a different system because they they basically did video they were saying all the things they didn't like about D, &D, which is fair Mm. enough and i was like oh well Mm. if you're not with D &D, when you try like some different systems because there's loads of them out there uh yeah. and they were like how dare you imply that i don't know there are other systems out there and i was just a bit like oh <laughs> i'm sorry i wasn't i just i was only trying to help i know and i mm. felt a bit bad so i so for me <laughs> i interested in this discussion because i want to know how you can evangelize about other systems without being annoying because apparently that's not yeah. a skill i have but yeah, yeah. it is hard i mean you know the the it's a strange situation where it can actually be really hard to even just give away an RP, free RPG. Mm. And let alone, let alone sell one and get lots of people to play it. You know, it's, D, D&D has such a massive footprint on the industry yeah. and mm. such a big network, more importantly. Everybody mm. play, everybody knows how to play it. Mm. Um, the, it, that is an, you know, that's a momentum, that's an impetus, impetus? Momentum. I know what I mean. That's hard to overcome. A tidal wave of RPG that you can't over... Yeah. I was helping yes. with the metaphor. Was it useful? <laughs> um, just to say yes. Yeah, okay. And then, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's difficult. And so get, getting people to try another RPG, for a start, you need someone to run it. It's the first step. If no mm. one's... No, I think I've, I've always found that you've got to have a GM who is enthusiastic to run it because if the GM isn't enthusiastic and doesn't really want to run that system, Mm. The players will know, yeah. and it will come across in that game. Mm. So that's that's the first step. Someone someone needs to be 
the cheerleader for that game. Someone needs to run it and someone needs, and that person really does want, need to want to run it as well. There's no mm. point trying to talk someone into running a game that they're not that keen on running because you just won't, nobody will enjoy themselves that way. I don't true. think. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> I think if you really want to try a new system offering to be the GM and mm. just putting it out there and saying, hi, I'm going to be running this game. Do you want mm. to come play? Yeah. Is the best way to kind of, pitch it yeah. and that can suck because i think peter you've said quite a few times that there's games that you like the look of yeah and you don't want to run them you want to play them but the yeah. only way you get to play them is by running them because nobody else wants to run them so yeah, that's, that's that's a problem that you run into from time to time yeah yeah um so like there's a lot of different factors that you need to consider um mm. i have in my experience because like obviously Many people do not consider me knowledgeable about RPGs, and that's entirely fair. But for a lot of people I come across, I am often also considered to be quite knowledgeable about RPGs. So I guess it depends where you're coming from. Hmm. Everything is relative. Uh, Pretty much. When people tell me they want to run sort of an Edwardian gothic horror style game, I do tend to point them towards things like maybe Call of Cthulhu, because that's a nice established system. It's easy to run, or maybe Dread. And they're like, but, and this is off, and then, and then, and then they're complaining to me about how complicated D&D is and how hard it is to hack. And it's like, yes, this is true. You'll probably find if you're trying to saw a piece of wood in half that hitting it with the blunt end of a hammer is less effective than using a saw. Mm. That is, that is very much the case. If you're trying to evoke a atmosphere which is just not in the design spec, then you're going to have a bad time. It's, mm. Like, I mean, you can work around it, but you are going to have to bring a lot of yourself to it and you're going to have to do a lot of work. And at, at what stage is it just not easier to learn a new game? Yeah, I think we're all on board with that premise, though. It yeah. is, you know, it, it is but, generally better. No, not better, but, you know, um, the play, playing, playing games designed for an experience yeah. is often a more cohesive and immersive experience than hacking a game that's not really designed to do that thing. Well, so even though the here, hack can yes. do it, it yeah. just won't do it as well. Yeah. yeah, but like the people here who who are complaining to me about how complicated D and D is to hack to do what they want is like, well, it just seems easier to do it in D and D. I'm like, it really isn't. Yeah. So the yeah. answer to, the answer to that is, well, don't hack it. Do it. Someone else, someone else has done all the work for you, made a game, and it's <laughs> actually easier to run than D and D. Yeah. I mean, I, I've hacked a couple of systems to do. Things which they're not meant to do because, um, why did I do that? Just because it just seemed like I wanted to have the experience offered by the setting, but I didn't want to engage with the rule system. I wanted to use a system that I already knew. Hmm. So, for example, I hacked Fong Shui, which is a exciting, fast and furious game to be run in Savage Worlds because that seemed like Savage Worlds to me was a much better system. I wanted to say, actually, it's a sort of multi-genre game that I can play. It fits all the buttons for, that fits all the spots for Concrete. Like, you know, it's got futuristic bits. It's got bits in the past. Wild West gunslingers. These things should go together quite well. So I did that. That was all right. But it's just, it's very hard to really explain it. It's like, it's almost like there's this, Unexamined, almost unspoken belief that if you're not running D and D, you're not running a role playing game. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard that. I, I mean, like I say, it's a 
unspoken. Well, and, well, and I've, never felt, well I've, ne- I've never felt that or, or perceived yeah. that in any way. Um, okay. just, I might just be due to the people that we interact with and stuff like that, but mm, that's definitely absolutely. not, a, not in yeah, my yeah. experience. That's not the case. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, I, I'm not, I cannot claim it to be universal experience. I can only talk about myself. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I find sometimes as well, people don't like the idea of trying a different system. One, because it's, I think the reason they would say is because, well, I just know this one and it's easier. But I think sometimes there's like a, it's kind of like it because D and D is such a lifestyle brand that it's part of their kind of identity. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's very hard to kind of speak to somebody about that because if that's like a subconscious thing that they're not aware yeah. of, you it's not really yeah. a logical discussion you can have no, about right. it at that point. But I I get the vibe of that of some people as well that you know there's that thing. Mm-hmm. I think when someone's in that place, they're they're not really ever going to try anything else. Mm. Which is um, yeah. So so back to the sort of topic, the question is Mm. how do you go about that without, Mm. as Jess said, being annoying? Yeah. Um, Mm. and accepting that some people you're, you are not going to be able to change their minds. I mean, I, I think I've been very, very lucky over the years Mm. in that the gaming group I've had for the last, you know, God knows how many years Mm. will play anything that anyone's willing to run without question. It's like, mm. well, if you're happy to run that, we're happy to play it. Fine. Um, yes. and it's, there's, there's literally no, not even any discussion. It's like, yeah, fine. Okay. We'll do that then. Um, mm. and I think, I don't think that's a universal thing. I think I'm very lucky to be in that position. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, it's a good group for that, for that thing. Um, mm. but yeah, sort of, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, when I was, when I was a lot younger, mm-hmm. I was definitely a D&D only person. Okay. Why was that? At, at one time. Um, and I, so I, I can understand the point of view of these people who don't want to try other games because I w- was like that as well. Mm-hmm. And people would suggest to me other games and I would play them, but it was a little bit grudgingly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would always think I'd rather be playing D&D. Mm-hmm. Why, why? I think I genuinely just felt that D&D was the best game out there, even though there was no, you know, there was no basis for, for having it was a feeling and when, it wasn't you, a, when you say it's the best does it mean it was just the game you were enjoying the most at that time no I think I actually believed at the time that it was objectively the best okay because okay. that's different and I can't tell you how I came to that opinion and it's not one that I have now I, mm-hmm. I still like it a lot but I yeah. I, I'm definitely I, I mean I don't think there is a best one anymore I just think different different games for different people for different moods for different things but um yeah but i definitely came from that point of view and it changed over the years i'm the complete opposite like i say i was role-playing for many years before i even came near dungeons and dragons Hmm. um and i think the reason that happened for me is because i started role-playing i joined a role-playing club bournemouth berserkers Mm -hmm. shout out um And when you go to a gaming club, generally, I mean, now the club is very predominantly, there's like, there'll be like four or five games running and three of them will be Dungeons and Dragons, but there'll be another couple going on that is something different and it rotates. So the great thing about joining a gaming um, club, and Peter, I don't know if it's the same at at your club as well, is there's different systems and different stuff you can try. And because you know it's only for a set amount of time, like we're doing a six week or however long campaign, I tried loads of stuff because I was like, well, if I don't really enjoy it, I can just ride it out for a few weeks. And I think yeah. that's definitely an answer. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. If, if, if you're like the type of group that likes to have two year campaigns, 
Mm. And then you just decide, right, for the next two years, we're going to be playing this system. It's quite a commitment. I think it's a lot harder to get buy into that. Uh, why don't we do a one-shot or two sessions of this system and play this yeah. one adventure and see what we think of it? It's a very mm. different proposition, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And yes. so I would, yeah, so I think definitely so, yeah, doing something short-term. Going to a club would be a really good way. And a lot of clubs are online now as well, so it doesn't matter as much about your location. But and another way I've tried out loads of different systems and didn't get around to D&D for a while is because I went to game conventions a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And I know the last couple of years hasn't been great for that. And maybe now for some people that's not uh, suitable. But you get um, mm-hmm. tabletop gaming conventions. They're normally a lot smaller and local, but there's lots of them. And there'll be like a few mm. hundred people that go along and they're just running games all weekend. There's just loads of stuff mm. that you can try. Yeah. And if you're stuck in that position where, you know, like Peter, you were saying earlier, you're the person mm. that's always having to be the GM because, you know, you're the person, you know, trying to sell and be the cheerleader for the new system. That's a really great way yeah. to just try stuff. And I think mm. even if you do try stuff and you're like, oh, actually, no, D&D is the system I like the most. It's the one I enjoy the most. I think that's great. But I think sometimes you'll pick up other things from different systems that you'll use in your D&D games because there'll just be little mm. things that you're like, you know, I didn't like that whole system, but that little mechanical piece of it, actually, that was really yeah. nice. That could work in my my campaign and things. So Yeah. I think one of the problems is that because the hobby is, I mean, there are, there are obviously games that don't fit this mold, but the hobby is primarily a GM-led hobby in the sense that the GM is generally the person that buys the stuff and evangelizes mm. the stuff and yeah. does all the, you know, um, it really does kind of hinge upon one person to have to do all these different things, all these different roles. They, you know, they have to discover mm. the game, learn the game, buy the game, send it to their players, do the work to, yeah. you know, it's, it is very much focused on one person's shoulders. Mm. But you do have lots of GMless systems now. Like I was interviewing yeah, yeah. Jay uh, on Wonderhome on Monday, and Wonderhome, yeah. uh, you can play it with the GM, but they have mm. a version where you don't, which is kind of um, so you actually don't have to have a GM for it as well. So there mm. are games like that, which I think for some people as well, if you just play D and D, the idea of not having a GM, you're like, I don't understand who is going to control this chaos. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's interesting. But I, for me, I think. Yeah, so my things I would say to the question of how how do you get to people to play other tabletop RPGs that aren't D&D is I'd say if you join a gaming club and join something that's not it or run something yourself and also going to gaming conventions, they're really good ways to kind of do that. They're kind of of good ways for that person to get to play the games. Mm -hmm. But I think if you ask the question, how do you get people, other people to do it? That's the harder proposition. Yeah. So yeah, oh, like and and like Go, joining general, a gaming club is a great like, yeah. Joining a gaming club is a great way for you to play different games. Or going to a convention is a great way for you to play different games. Mm-hmm. But how do you persuade some people who you want to play other games with to play those other games with you, like your group of friends who you've been playing yeah. D D with for the last eight years, and you're kind of like, I yeah. really quite like to play the Alien RPG. Sure. How do I persuade these guys to do that? I I guess it's. For that situation, I would say, I don't know if you're you specifically to. asking me, I think you have to, you have to run because you have to say, hey, hey, folks, I'm going to run this game and pick mm. even a date and time. Be like, I'm going to run it on this date. I'm going to do a one shot. And I think, like you said, not making people commit mm. to a campaign because it, yeah, it yeah. is true. It's like it's, it's almost like if you're trying to get people to watch a TV show you really like. You can say, oh, just watch one episode and see if you like it, if it's for you. Because some people it is and some people it isn't. 
As long as it's not one of those TV shows where they say, yeah, but you do have to watch like the first three seasons before it starts to get good, but you have to watch those first yeah, and that or you won't understand turned, what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah no, no. I'm not going to do that. Um, but if it was <laughs> that's something I'm going to do. But if it was saying, yeah. like, oh, just watch an episode and see what you think, that's less mm. of a commitment. Or something that's designed to be a one shot, you know. You can yeah. I, I think there is a bit of disconnect between people who enjoy GMing and people who enjoy playing primarily. Mm-hmm. Because the key, the clue is perhaps in the names. Because people who like playing want to play their games. Yeah. And whilst for many people sitting down with a rule book and reading this rule book and learning how to make your character is a good and fulfilling pastime. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. This is not the case for, I'm going to say over 90% of players. Yeah. They do not want to sit down and read the rules before they start playing they're not even prepared to sit down and listen to the rules being read out before they start playing they want to be playing and they already know how to play D, so that is why they're like well mm. do you- if i'm going to do this i will i and they don't want to be trapped into a character that doesn't work there are build guides online where you can go and you can find how to make your character work there's like a very blank slatish approach to original characters which, with the kitchen sink fantasy of the Forgotten Realms, is very easy to get going stuff. So you can get a lot of different types of people to play D&D, persuading them to play something else. It's like, yeah, it's harder because there's the fear of the unknown. They don't want to read. And also, you can't just start playing. You have to do the paperwork first. And that is an absolute killer. I've said before... Yeah, barriers to entry, isn't it, essentially? Yeah. Like, you're, you're using... Like, well, I mean, put it this way... Um, if you had to go to a new website or something to do something and you're having to look at it and you don't know what you're looking at because mm-hmm. it's new and unfamiliar to you, does that make there you, you feel So it's the exact same thing as why yeah. does a crowdfunding campaign of ours mm. that's exactly the same yeah. with the same level of marketing mm. perform much better on one crowd platform yeah. platform than yeah. another. Why yeah. does that happen? It's exactly the same yeah. reason someone yeah. gets to an unfamiliar website. It's yeah. not just one click. They've got to figure out, even though figuring out how that website works yeah. isn't difficult because they've seen websites before, you know, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, not, it's not, it's beyond the, the, the wit of man to be able to work out what yeah. you're doing. But it's just that, no. that extra barrier. Yeah. yeah. And every time you put a barrier there, that's yes. a whole lot of people you lose. Um, and each barrier. Yeah. Mm. It's a whole lot more people. Yeah. Uh, and many games do an excellent job, like the Powered by the Apocalypse games. They do an excellent job in trying to support people in doing this because you have a playbook, which is easy to read. You have explicit and clear instructions on how to run the game. Yeah. It's not the, this is the sort of way you sort of run a game, sort of. It's like, no, do these things. It's very clear. So, like, in many ways, they're, they're, a model, they're like a paragon of design. They're really good. I, I don't personally enjoy them, but it does not mean that I cannot see the good design and clever thinking that's gone into them, which is why they are so very popular. Sorry. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think what you were just saying, Peter, there are so many systems that don't have a lot of admin and aren't difficult to get into to play. Like, for example, Mm. sitting just behind me, we have the awfully cheerful engine, um, Mm -hmm. which is, you, you don't need to do a lot of prep and research and and reading for to do Mm. that. It's very much something Mm. you can try out. Mm. Yes, but it's that it's that onboarding experience. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It, it's like it's got to be as seamless and enjoyable 
as possible. Yeah. Mm. And, so you're I mean, just like and going. that's why I think you have mm. to be the GM if you're introducing those new yeah. systems. Because I mean, no, you can't no kind as a player go to your there? GM and be like, run this for me. I want you to do yeah. some work. <laughs> so yeah. sure. and, for, and that's yeah. why you've, I think if you're proposing the thing, you've got to be the person you've got to, to run do it, that. Yeah. But, well, you, you have put your finger on it because you can't say that to your GM because you're basically saying, here's some homework for you to do. And also, possibly, and cool. here's something you have to buy and then do some homework. Oh, yeah, I'd say yeah. one thing yeah. I think you could do really sneakily, if you really wanted to try a new system, this is, like, quite an expensive Buy, buy someone a present. Buy yeah. everyone in your gaming group a copy of the book. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, like, depending on you, the book. You, you, you're laughing, but, I mean, you know, money yeah. aside, that would actually be a surprisingly good way to do it. Yeah. If you're talking because, about three... Yeah. Hardcover core rule books, though. Yeah, yeah. At fifty pounds yeah. each. Yeah, hundred and fifty yeah. quid for what? Five yeah. people in your gaming group. Yeah, that's not that's a practical, like, yeah. that's not I a think that's option. not yeah. a practical option for most people. Yeah. But I was just saying, like, uh, if, but, if, but you're right. It, but, they, it, it's not practical, but it would work. It would be have a better chance of working. Yeah, yeah. But then a nine ninety nine awfully cheerful engine. That's what I was yes. thinking. There are so many role-playing games That's that are actually... still 50 quid for an entire book, uh, entire group, though. Yeah, still, really. There are some... And there, but there are even some uh, games that are free. Like, you could just okay, download is, is... Lasers and Feelings or something like that. I just had yeah. to, I just had to thought, what could a publisher, we as a publisher, do to alleviate... I mean, we've talked about um, starter sets before, which is obviously one yeah. option. But what other yeah. things could we as a publisher do, apart from, yeah. apart from that? Now, what if you could sell... Games, not to individuals, yep. like the GM, and the GM has to take the burden on, and mm. but to a group. So the package that you're selling, I'm thinking this through in my head and making it up as I go, so I don't expect mm-hmm. it to okay. be fully okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. The, package, the package that you're selling has everything mm. in it that the entire group needs. Mm. So the game has five little player booklets that has everything mm-hmm. that the players need and a GM booklet and maybe it's in a box or some I don't know I don't know so in in a sense you are buying a copy of the game for everyone at your mm. at the table but you're still only buying one one game you're only buying it once but the bits of it you could distribute out to people as they need it or you've got different cop- multiple copies of bits of it or something I don't know so yeah. like a different How booklet for each class or something for each heritage that, or something you know yeah yeah how do, how do board games do it? Because board games, they're like a box that arrives to the table and people pick up and run with it. Mm. I mean, Jess, you've got way more experience than that. How do people start playing a new board game? I mean, so, I think somebody has bought it and they yeah. go to the game and, so, and, and then they like, explain it. They're yeah. like, yeah, and then they yeah. become like the, the GM in that situation. They yeah. would yeah, read yeah. the rules and they bring it to the table and be like, hi, hi folks, I want to have a game of my new game. I bought this. Who wants to come play? Um, mm. But I think board games are much lower stakes because generally board games are an hour or so, depending on the game. I yeah. know there's Twilight Imperium is like, it invests like days. But like generally, you're talking about a couple mm. of hours. I had a game of Twilight Imperium once. It was great. Um, yes. Anyway, so it's, it's, a lower, it's a lower investment. And also, like you mm. say, you can learn the rules at the table. So you can sit down mm. and just go. But and I, yeah. think, I think a lot of people aren't aware that there are so many different role-playing games that are designed to do that. They're designed mm, for you to mm. just turn up at the table and go and not do any prep work or do anything like that. Because I think oh, yeah. people there's, are so there's, there's, used to the D&D format, they, it doesn't even occur to them that a game could tens, do that. tens of thousands of rules like the uh, mm-hmm. RPGs which do exactly yeah. that. Tens yeah. Of, yeah. So many of them. 
I think mm. one, one thing we're trying to do, I mean, at EM Publishing to, to, to do that is like doing the podcast, not D&D. We're just showcasing other indie tabletop RPG yeah. designers. We don't really, mm. I mean, Russ came on episode one to talk about Healthy Cheerful Engine, one of our games. Mm. But apart from that, yeah. we don't get anything financially from it. All we're trying to do is kind of raise the profile of indie RPG yeah. creators. Um, yeah. Because I think some people would ask us, because we're here talking about how do you get people to play the games? Da, da, da. And I think some people might be like, well, why do you why do you care? Like, why does it matter mm. if everybody's playing D&D? But I think in general, monopolies, first of all, monopolies are bad. It's bad if one person makes everything. And also, I think it just means people are missing out because it would be like saying, mm. if you're like, I'm only going to play D&D and I'm not going to play any other RPGs. To me, that's like saying, I'm, I'm, the only films I'm ever going to watch are Star Wars. That's it. And mm, I watched the Star Wars. Yeah. And it's like, Star Wars is great. Like, watch Star Wars. Mm. That it does, a, it does a lot. It's done yeah. a lot for... But there are so many different types of films. There are other sci-fi films you're probably going to like. Yeah. There are completely other different genres of films. And I think mm, limiting yeah. yourself to one type of media... Yeah. I just... It's like we're talking about, say, Disney films. Yeah. Which you were. Like, um, I've been to the cinema to see uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm. And then I went to see everything everywhere all at once. And these are both on paper very similar films. But to me, it's like trying to play, uh, someone's hacked D&D to run horror and someone's like run full on dread. It's like you're having a very different emotional experience. Yeah. And it's, yeah, really quite noticeable. And that's equally okay. Cause there are set, there are different tabletop RPGs that not everyone's yeah. going to vibe with. Yeah, but yeah. I think Absolutely. it's really important for just for people's enjoyment of the hobby, but also just for the industry. I think supporting different indie tabletop RPG companies and like mm. encouraging and supporting creativity is a good thing. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. that's that's where I, I care about people trying new systems and trying new things. Yeah, and I'm not saying don't play D and D because I'm in a D and D campaign that's been going for mm-hmm. years. So, also, I think it's yeah. just good for the industry as well. A yeah. healthy, robust industry with multiple, you know, when I say players, I mean players as in um, shares in the market sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is, yeah. is a healthy is a healthy yeah. industry. Yeah, uh, and, and you can learn a lot of stuff from playing and looking at and running different games. Like I recently played in some Blades in the Dark, but from just hearing about it, I'm like, oh yes, clocks, fronts. I will import these into any game that I run because they're a great idea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and it's like you just pick up stuff like, you know, uh, the idea of supply being uh, flashbacks is like inherent to the Blazing Dark system. I'm like, oh, well, I'll just port this across into whatever game I'm running because I can mm-hmm. and because it's a really fun idea. It cuts out a lot of the tedious parts of gaming. I don't have a lot of time for being bored at the gaming table. I have a lot of competition. I'm competing with people's smartphones and the internet. That's like, tough. I that it's it's tough really sell. tough. Like it, like I have to be as interesting as possible. And for a lot of time, that's uh, I I need the system to be working to support me rather than uh, working against me. For sure. Mm. Now, I'm just trying to go back to thinking in my head about this idea of a group, like an mm. RPG together, and having yes. everything they need. So that you're not just selling to the one person, but you're selling to the group instead. So it's like mm. a starter set a for a behind- group. Kind, kind of, yeah. But, but it was kind of spinning off like what we were saying earlier about buying a copy of the game for every member of your group. Yeah. So in, in essence, it is doing that, but 
doing it at a budget level that you're still not spending much more than you would normally for one copy of the game and each member of the group only getting the bits of the game they need mm. so that they're not presented with three massive hardcover books. Mm. And, and, in, and then they get those to take home. Oh. And they say, right, we've basically bought this set, which is designed for a group to buy. Everyone gets yeah. their bits. You take them home. They belong to you now. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all chipped in like four quid each or five or each or whatever into the game so we can all play it. I don't know whether that's even a, I don't know. It's probably a silly idea, but it's just, it's no, just I, stuck I like in, it's in my head. Yeah. I like the idea of it. It's, yeah, it's not a bad plan. Mm. Um, it feels a bit like Invisible Sun. Do you remember that Monty Cook game? Oh, yeah, but that was going the opposite way, though. That was super expensive. I still think it, keeping it down to manageable prices. Because what you've explained there is how board games work. Because when I have hmm. a group of friends, yeah, yeah, but we you, all yeah, have but our own don't take game. home their bits of the board game, do they? No, not in that sense. But no, in the sense that uh, I have a regular group of friends who we would play board games together, and our board hmm. game collection was like a combined one. I would mm. literally go, oh, I'm not going to buy that game because I know so-and-so's got that, so I'll buy mm. this. And then mm. I would tell them what I'm buying so mm. they would know yes. and they would so do the same. Library, so yeah. it's like a shared... So I, the concept of I'll buy this one thing and we'll all benefit from it. You could do it with PDFs, I suppose. You, you could sell, do PDFs. As a publisher, you sell a, basically a package. I mean, obviously people could just download PDFs and do what they want with them anyway and you can't stop them. Mm. But, I mean, yeah. you could make it, you could legitimize it and just say, well, you can buy a copy of a PDF or you can buy a group copy. And the group, this group copy basically costs a tiny little bit more, but please give every member of your group a copy of it. Mm. I don't know if that's a thing that people would buy or not. Probably they wouldn't. Normally, when you buy a hardcover book you and you get the PDF for free, sometimes they mm. do a number yeah. of downloads. Like when I bought my warhammer mm. fantasy book they sent me a link for pdf and they're like you have four downloads of this so yeah. you could so that is you could share it with your group i haven't done that because yeah. my group already had a book so it's fine yeah but i mean i don't quite understand the point of having four downloads of it once you've downloaded it you can just send it to whoever you want surely because it's on your desktop then i don't know man <laughs> I, don't know. I don't quite understand how the four downloads limits anyone. Well, I could just send someone a link instead of having to go on WeTransfer, I guess. I suppose, I guess. Yeah. And it's yeah. like legal. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. Yeah, you can't stop people apart. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if we we found the solution there to kind of how you could get. I, people I think we to can definitively say we did not find the solution. No, we had some suggestions. We could say if you've got a game you really want to play, you're you're going to have to be the person that runs it. If you don't want to run a new game and you're looking to be a player as an individual, maybe going to gaming clubs or conventions can be a way to do that. Um, or, or looking for games online. And games online, yeah. Because like online mm. clubs are a big thing. Or, 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 or professional GMs. Yes. Do I... The ones I've always seen have on advertised online have always been running D&D. I wonder what sort of market there is for other games. So if... And I wonder there's... Because, like, if you wanted to play, say, a free league game, mm. are there professional mm. GMs running those? I imagine that they could be tempted to do so. I mm. think they might have to be approached to do it because I think the market for D&D is so big. If you're going to be a professional GM, mm. you do what the market yeah. wants, which is everyone wants to mm. play D&D. So what, so what you want is a professional GM who offers a service, basically, I will play any game you want me to if you pay me for it. Yeah. You're just going to give me... You're just going to give me a month's notice. <laughs> I, I imagine there's a lot of professional GMs that know multiple systems. So I imagine they're yeah. they're, they're saying, "I'm running some DMs that you can sign onto here, but I also know these." Yeah, yeah. So well, that's another option, anyway. 
assuming assuming those games are out there, those gems are out there. I'm sure they are. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. Well, we've done our best. We've tried to answer yeah. this question. Yeah. Yes. I guess we've solved it completely, and no further questions are required. Yeah. I All think Good job, the long-term answer is generally just raising mm. the profile of indie tabletop other indie tabletop RPGs. I've been trying to do that for 20 years. I know, I know. It hasn't worked. (laughs) No, I think the profile is, is like, yeah, I think the profile is increasing. And I think if more and more people do things, so if you get, if you buy like an indie tabletop game. I think think the profile's worse these days than it used to be, certainly proportionally. Yeah. And that's because of D&D's dominance is so much more so these days than it ever has been. Yeah. So back in the early... You know, the early 2000s or so. I think it was mm. actually easier to find people to play other games than mm. it is now. Uh, I don't know if I would agree with that. I think that indie games have actually grown and there are more people oh, playing. Oh, yeah, it. yeah, but I mean, proportionally, the difference. Like, indie's grown even more. Yeah. yeah, no, I think I yeah, think yeah. that's D- true. Indie has grown much more rapidly, mm. so it looks like indie has shrunk. But actually, indie has grown just without a marketing giant uh, megacorp behind it mm. to uh, give it that boost. So actually, yeah, indie is pretty big and doing quite well, bigger than it ever has been before. I would yeah. say. Yeah, but the problem is no, um, no individual indie game is massive. That's the problem. And it's not uh, on a that, D&D scale. When they get massive, do they problem? stop um, being indie? Stop being indie. At what I point suppose. do you stop yeah. being indie? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. has definitely has Paizo stopped being indie? Yeah. Okay. I think when you've got like hundred employees, you're not indie. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. You know, when you've got an That's office with five hundred employees in it, and you know, yeah. yeah. When you've got an HR department, you're probably not indie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah, how would you know when you're not indie anymore? That might be an interesting topic to discuss at some point. <laughs> it is. But we have yeah. lots yeah. of brewing for next year's UK Games Expo for indie tabletop RPG creators. Exciting. Which are in the yeah. beginning brewing stages. Which That's assuming the other indie creators are interested in these plots that we yeah. have. Yeah, um, that's true. Because it involves collaboration. This way, I'm not to collaborate with them. So we'll yeah. let you know if we have any friends. <laughs> yeah. But that's a long oh. way off anyway. That'll be like UK Games Expo 2023. Well, I'll I'll be your friend. How about that? Um, yeah, I'll get back to you on that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, ta- we're taking applications. <laughs> 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 okay. sure, sure. No, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we probably are done for today. Yeah. Yep. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.
And that can be a question about anything to do with tabletop RPGs. It doesn't have to be EM publishing specific. So just any tabletop RPG question. Or any medical questions that you may have. Do not send in any medical questions you have. <laughs> no. uh, any tabletop RPG questions you may have. Or you can also send... Or any legal questions you have. We, uh, we're all qualified barristers here. Do not send us any legal questions you have. 